Welcome to the Truth Simply Put, the teaching broadcast vehicle of the Basilea Commission. On today's teaching, God's Word, rightly divided in the light of Christ, who is the central theme of the entire scriptures, will come with simplicity, precision, clarity, and power to instruct, admonish, edify, and build you up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, let's dive straight in. So, over the um, last few months, the Lord has been dealing with us about consciousness. Yes, to be aware and therefore to respond to the person, to respond to Christ, basically. Yes, so that's what the Lord has been dealing with us about. We know that it is not of your works, but it is what you are conscious of. It is the consciousness of God in you, the consciousness of Christ in you, what you are deliberate about applying. Today we shall be adding another feather to the consciousness heart. So I'm here again. Let's talk sun consciousness. Sonship consciousness. You know, so we're reminded of the fatherhood of God. And today, I want to remind you of your sonship. Now, this is not something you have not been taught before. But like I said, I am here to remind you. Because it's likely there's the possibility that you have forgotten. Yeah, so let me give you a refresher course. Is that alright? Awesome. So we know that sonship has always been the goal of the father. The one desire of God is to be your father. That's what he has desired from the onset. Yes? God desires nothing more. Not to be a father. There's a difference between a father and the father. He doesn't want to be a father to you. A father would imply you have other, you know, you have other fathers. But he wants to be your father. The father. The father that you can rely on. A father that you can... He does not take his fatherhood lightly. He takes it very seriously. He's not like your African father that would abdicate responsibility of you. Or that would throw you off when you've done something and, you know, I disown. God can never disown you. God can, can, not will, God can. Will, saying God will disown you means there's a likely possibility that he could. God cannot disown you. He has lost the capacity to be able to not say, I am your father. Because that has been his one desire from the get-go, to be your father. And if you know God as everything and you don't know him as your father, okay, sorry for you. It's okay to say Jehovah Jireh and all the sweet, sweet Elohim, Jehovah Nisi. I've forgotten all those names, you know. Sikenu. Akunichimawa. 
His father nature is important to him. His nature to you as your father. So if you do not know God, or if you acknowledge him as everything else, outside of being your father, they have sold you a false lie. If you know God as everything else, the consuming fire, I don't know who is consuming, and you don't know him as your father, a father does not mess with his, a responsible father does not mess with his child. He doesn't. A father delights in looking after his child. It's the delight of every father to know that if my son gets into trouble, the one person he can come to is me. The one person he can find safety and security in is me. That's the nature of God. That's how God wants you to be with him. He doesn't want you to, because you know what? All the dimensions of God is captured in him as your father. Everything you can ever think, him as your healer, him, it's because he's your father that he wants to heal you. It's because he's your father that he wants to provide for you. It's because he's your father that he wants to keep and sustain you. It's not because he's I am that I am. Because he, almighty, I don't know you, I don't, understand, I don't think you understand the gravity of God being your father. You, is it not you like this? Almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who stores the snow in a storehouse, the one whom mountains skip before, he gets mushy when he sees you. That is your father. That God is your father. He's not against you. He cannot be against you. Even if he wanted to, which he has lost the ability to. He takes his fatherhood nature very, very seriously. He has always wanted sons for, from the inception of the world. We'll see um, Genesis 6, verse 1, 2. 1 and 2. Now it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, or that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. The sons of God. Okay, let's see Job 1 verse 6. It will make sense to you in a minute. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Now, sons of God from the beginning of the earth. I told you that God has always wanted sons. Yes? Do we have any modern translation of that Job 1.6? Message. 
amplified. One day, the members of the heavenly court, that's what King James said, sons of God. Yes? Any other translation? Now, there was a day when the sons of God, angels. So, sons of God here were angels. Because God has always wanted sons, he gave some angels a token of our sonship. They held it in trust for us. They were no sons. They just held sonship as a token for us. Holding it in trust until. Because God always wanted sons. Now let's not forget, Satan was an angel. An angel of light. He was an angel. Which means... When he came amongst, he had the same nature as these angels. He was of the same quality. That's why he could come among them. He was of the same quality as them. So Satan was a son of God. In that sense. Does that make sense? So, Satan was an angelic beings. Angelic beings held in trust our sonship until. So, Satan had the same. Why do you think Satan is always fighting you? Why do you think he's always against you? What he had in trust, you have it in reality. What he wanted, what he desired, because he was of the same nature, he was a son of God in that sense. But he did not want to just hold it in trust, he wanted to be it. That's why he's against you because you are sons of God. He can never be a son of God. So God has always wanted to be a father. He desired it. He wanted nothing else. And as much as his fatherhood is beautiful, he could not be a father without children. You can't call someone father who doesn't have a child. You are calling them father in hope. So he was calling angels sons in hope. Angels were calling him father in hope. Because he knew that soon he will have multiplicities of sons. That's a good place to give God praise. So because he's our father, now we are his sons. Pav taught a few weeks ago that the fatherhood of God sponsored sonship. If he did not desire to be a father, you and I will not be sons. But because of his desire to be father, he made you sons. 
So I put here, I said, to be sonship conscious is also to be conscious of the fatherhood of God, through which we are sons. And then you walk in the fullness of this reality on earth. He made you sons. God made us in his image. A son carries the father's DNA, no? If you are a legitimate child. You carry your father's DNA. You should exhibit your father's nature. Hence God created you in his image. Now we understand that the image was the image of Christ. Everybody knows that. So we were created in the image of God because God wanted to have sons. And when he created us, what was the first thing he said to us? Have dominion. So God is in heaven. Earth, Eden was an extension of earth. Yes. So it's like your father having a company in Japan. And then having a branch now in Nigeria. And now sends you, you're a citizen of Japan. He now sends you to Nigeria to run the Nigerian branch. It makes sense. So God made you in his image. Sent you from above. Because you are from above. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. This is just your father's branch of business. That you are supposed to be running. And you are supposed to be making profits, but that's talk for another day. Because which businessman wants to run business without profits? So, anyway, as I was saying, God made us in his image, yes. Adam was made as a son of God to have dominion. So, Adam is the first son of God. Jesus is not the first son of God. Adam is the first son of God, yeah. We can see that in Luke 3.38. Luke 3.38. It gives you the genealogy of Jesus. And then he ends with... The son of Adam, the son of God. So Adam was the first son of God. And because he was a son of God, God gave him dominion. Run my affairs on earth. Run my business on earth. Make profit. Yes? Unfortunately, or fortunately, Adam decided to go and do his own business. So Adam fell. And that truncated our sonship. That caused an enmity. Caused a division between us and our father. Yeah, so sin came in and stood in the way. Which sin was, the sin was as a result of disobedience. It was disobedient that was the sin. God said, don't chop. You go and chop. Disobedient. Just as by one man's disobedient. By one man's obedience. So the sin was the sin of disobedience. Let's understand that. Mm -hmm. So Adam disobeyed. And that truncated our sonship. We became enemies of God. But God still saw in us the sons that he knew we would be. 
So God was angry not at us, but at sin. God was not against us, but against sin. God wanted to not punish us, but to punish sin. Because in us, he saw the fullness of his fatherhood. He saw his sons. He saw the children he wanted to have. And he knew that destroying these ones means I will not be fatherless. So you see when I tell you that God cannot. God cannot destroy you. Even if he wanted to. God cannot disown you. Even if he wanted to. Because disowning you makes him fatherless. So he's not. How do I put this? He's not being a responsible father because of you. He's not being a good father because of you. He's not being faithful because of you. Actually, it's got nothing to do with you. So you can be feeling braggadocious in your sonship. But it's not about you. It's still about him. Because everything God does, he does for his, his pleasure, for his namesake. So he cannot abdicate responsibility of you, even if he wanted to. Because trust me, sometimes he wants to. We are a lot. But God cannot abdicate responsibility because he does not want to be fatherless. So because of his namesake, he will preserve your sonship for his namesake. So what Jesus did, because sin was what separated us, Yes, so it, it necessitated Jesus coming to bring us back, to reconcile us. That's what the gospel is about. It's about the reconciliation of us back to God. Reconciliation of the sonship we lost back to our father. God missed us. He was heartbroken without us. And he wanted you back. So to get you back, he gave Jesus, his son, even though it was Jesus was not physically, because Adam is the first son, yes? Jesus was the only begotten of the father. So Jesus is, was the only begotten of the father until you were begotten. So Jesus came to reconcile you. To bring you back into sonship. To give you back what you lost. To bring you back to your father. So now you can come boldly. Because without your sonship, you lost every authority you had. You lost dominion of the earth. And that needed, I mean, we're still suffering the consequences of our fall. 
We still are. You, can you go and play with lion right now? He will chop you. It's as simple as that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that. So Jesus came to restore our sonship. And to do that, he needed to bring forgiveness of sin. And that's by which we receive. That's what gives us our authority to become sons. Because you have been forgiven of the Father. So now you can come boldly before your Father. Now you can cry, Abba, Father. Sin no longer have dominion over you. Because as many as believe, as many as believe, let's have that up, John 1, 12. As many as believe, and we're going to be digging into that particular verse today. But as many as received him, who is the him there? Because he's the one that came to reconcile you. Yes? So, as many as believe him, to them he gave the right. I need a translation that says, to them he gave power. To them he gave power. Now, power here does not mean gagra. Power here is not muscle. King James got it right when he says to them he gave the right to them he gave the right the word there is exousia and exousia in the greek is right authority authority conferred power delegated empowerment authorization operating in a designated jurisdiction Remember I told you, you are, you are from above. You are operating in this jurisdiction. You are running your father's business in this jurisdiction. Satan is the prince of this world because we gave him this world. So right now we are in his jurisdiction. But now we have been conferred power to operate in this designated jurisdiction. It goes further to say, Exousia, delegated power, refers to the authority God gives his saints. Authorizing them to act to the extent they are guided by faith. What is faith? How God sees himself. So you have been authorized to act to the extent that you are guided by how God sees himself. You are authorized to act to the extent to how God declares himself. What God declares himself to be. What God reckons himself to be. So, you have been given authority, power, the right, the authorization. Now, you cannot... If you have power and you don't have authority, it doesn't work. If you have power, you cannot apply power without authority. 
it is authority that enables you to use power. When you see a soldier on the road, and this, oh, let's not even use soldier, traffic warden, it's not their power that makes you stop. It's the authority you know they have to stand there that makes you stop. So you, if you have power and not authority, now a soldier man can have power, but when his superior tells him, don't fire, he doesn't have the authority to fire. If Ogase, because he has power, he's wearing green camouflage, he fires. <laughs> so also, you can have power, you can have ability, but if you do not have authority, you cannot do anything. So you can have power and ability. Without authority, you're going nowhere. But when power and ability meets authority, things happen. Authority is what enables you to use the ability that you have. Sometimes when soldier man slap you, it's not because they have more power than you. It's not because you cannot take them. Sometimes you look at this moment, just be one shouting, shouting, shouting. I will slap you. I will. Ha! Ah, you say hi. But for ah, I would have shown you. So when ability and power meets authority. Explosion. <laughs> I like that word. So authority enables you. Enables your ability. Does that make sense? The authority you have. Sometimes certain authority self gives you some level of power. That on a normal day you don't have. But because you know you've been given the authority for something. All of a sudden... The ability will come upon you. That's what scripture says we have. We have been conferred upon. We have been authorized to act in this jurisdiction. We have the ability. Put up that scripture. 1 John 1.12. Sorry, John 1.12. As many as received. Have you received? Yes, yeah, sure. Because yes, you see, you are the only one that knows if you have received though. Right. Nobody can determine for you if you have received. If your receiving is between you and the one you receive. <laughs> so as long as you receive, authority accompanies it. So I put here, I said, what Jesus did was to take you, because now you have the authority. Yes? You have authority. Jesus has taken you from a position of disadvantage. 
and gave you the authority to stand in him for to stand in for him on earth as his heir god has opened a branch of his company for you he has enabled you are the ceo you are the managing director you are the stakeholder you are the bogboy bogboy Christ has empowered you because your sins have been forgiven. Because now you have been reconciled to God. Now you are joint heirs with the Father. Now you are joint heirs with the Son of the Father. And because you are joint heirs, what Jesus can do Who Jesus is. What Jesus have. You are joint heirs. Jesus does not have 70% and I have 30. Joint heirs. Actually, joint, it does not even mean Jesus have 50 and I have 50. Jesus have 100. I have 100. Jesus has 1,000. What Jesus have in the exact same measure, in the exact same quality, in the exact same quantity, because you are joint heirs. You and him are running your father's business together. Together. That's why you have to be conscious of your sonship. Because if you don't know, they will cheat you. It's like owning a company and you do not know that you are the owner of the company. Who has bewitched you? You are joint heir. It is big deal. It means everything answers to you. It means everything should answer to you. I'm joint heir with Christ. He's my elder brother, yes, but we have the same share. No cheating. And that inheritance that you have, it is not material possessions. As much as that one join, yeah, he has given you, his divine power has given you all things. That pertains to life and godly. So material things join, you know, house, car. So material possession join. But this, your inheritance, is not possession. It is a position. You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's your inheritance. Far above principalities and power. That's your position. That whenever you decree a thing on earth, it shall be established. That's your position. And this position you have is as a result of the Father's disposition towards you. Because the Father has said, this is my son. 
in whom I am well pleased, should not only be for Jesus. So your inheritance is not anything you worked for. If you are not a good child, they will remove your name from the will. That one not day. Your inheritance is not because of the titan offering you give. Your mansion in heaven is not because of the fasting and prayer you are doing. Your possession. Even the possession you have is not because of anything you did. How much more your position. You are a son of God. You said you received, no? You have received him. As many as received. You are a son of God. If you don't have this consciousness that you are a son of God, life will make a mockery of you. You have a position as much as you are in this earth. You are not of this earth. Your citizenship is in heaven. That position is guaranteed because of the Father's disposition towards me. My position is guaranteed. Nothing, 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 nothing can change that. Nothing. So what is the Father's disposition towards you? Let's see Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Are you children? Are you sons of God? So this is the father's disposition towards you. You are joint heirs with Christ. Let's go back to John 1.12. We're still on that. So we've looked at what it means when he says as many as receive. To them he gave power. To them he gave right. The authority. Yes? Awesome. He gave the right to become. Now that's another word we're going to look at. To become in the Greek is genestai. And it's from the Greek word, from the Greek word, ginomai. And genestai means to come into being. To happen. Signifies a change of condition. A change of state. A change of place. So, now... You have been given authority. Your location has changed. Now you have been given authority. Your state of being has changed. You are no longer who you used to be. You are a new creation. Because now you have authority. Yes? Your nature, your person, your thinking, your position, your location, wherever you are, has to change to the disposition of God concerning you. 
So it's not how you see yourself. It is how God sees you. He sees you righteous. That's your position. He sees you holy. That's your position. He sees you redeemed. That's your position. He sees you healed. That's your position. So now when you're reading that verse, you read it with understanding. As many as believe, to them he has given the authority. To them he has given the power to run a jurisdiction. To become, to come into a place. To do what you naturally cannot do. Because now you have authority. Authority, power, and ability. And your location has been changed. Your place has been changed. Your condition has been changed. Christ has happened to you. And anybody that Christ happens to, for real, for real, cannot be the same. You cannot, even if you tried. If Christ happened to you. Let's continue. As many as believed, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the ability, the authorization to come into, to change location, to no longer be sinners, but to become children, to become sons. King James, I think it's King James that says to become sons. Sons in the Greek word is the word technon. And technon is something that was produced as a consequence of somebody's offspring. So children that are a direct offspring of the person that has brought them forth. You are born of God. Direct offspring. Adam, son of God. Jesus, son of God. So trace your genealogy to Jesus, to Adam. You end up as a son of God. You are a direct offspring. First John um, um, 3, I think it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed. Let's go to that verse. Behold what manner of love. Now, we know love there is not a feeling. Yes? The word there is agapeo. Is not mushiness, is not sensual, is not a feeling, is not something that you feel today and you change tomorrow. It's not something that because the person has done you wrong, you no longer love. God is love. Love is God. Your love cannot change for somebody if you truly love. If you ever really loved, you can never really hate. Never, 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 never. Because God is love. And it's in its purest nature. So you can't go about telling somebody, I love you, 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 I love you. Love 
agapeo. God, it carries weight. It's not thrown about anyhow. So when you say, I love somebody, it means I am furnishing this person with every of my preference. It means I am giving this person everything that is mine. It means I am bestowing on this person my nature, my being, my person, my preference, everything that I have, everything that I am. So no matter what you do, I cannot change my mind. Scripture says love is patient, love is kind, love believes all things, love endures all things. How can you read that verse? How can you read that verse? And you say you love. And somebody do you small thing. Or not even do you anything. Love. Love. Love is not fickle. Love is not just... You just throw it away because I changed my mind. I don't love you anymore. If you really love, you cannot stop loving. Fact. You can, you can divert how you love. What I mean by that, you love somebody. So a husband and a wife, you're in love and then it doesn't work out. You don't automatically hate the person. You just channel that love differently. You express it differently. But you still love. Because love, 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 love. Love covers a multitude of sin. It was love that made Christ die for you. It was his love that made him give his only son. That made him send Jesus to cover your sin. To take away the sins of the world. Because he fell in love with you. Love is not fickle. Love does, does no wrong. It doesn't do any harm. It sees no wrong. How much more do wrong? God is love. So when you say, I love you, it's a big deal. So please, don't tell anybody you love them if you don't. That's the strongest word you can ever say to a person. I love you. So please, I beg you. You don't have to say I love you. You don't really, really, truly, really, absolutely. You don't have to use the word. Because everybody's saying I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You don't have to say I love you. Because love, love is what the world is built on. Love is what our salvation stands on. Love is what brought about our restoration. Love restores. Love does not tear down. Love does not destroy. Love builds up. Just as God in Christ is building you up. Because he loves you. And he said nothing, 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 nothing. No heights, no depths. No past, no present, no future. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not even yourself. So if you cannot love like that, keep 
keep it to yourself. If you cannot love and see no wrong, if you cannot love enough to build up the person, you did absolutely nothing to build the person. You now come one minute and say, I love you. And because the person doesn't act the way you want, you now want to tear them down when you did not build them up to begin with. Your love perish with you. So please, sons of God, when you say, I love you, love, agapeo, God's preferences, his thoughts towards you, his way of thinking, his nature, and his nature is good. His nature is good. His nature is not bad. His nature is not destructive. His nature is not evil. I wish you above all things that you prosper. That is his preference towards you. I know the thoughts I have towards you. Thought of peace, not of evil. That is his preference towards you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is his preference towards you. So when you love, when you love, when you love, let's go on. First John 3, we're still on First John 3, 1 and 2. Behold the manner of love. Now you understand what that love is. The Father has bestowed the domain furnished you with. So you move into a house. You don't have a bed. You don't have, and then you start furnishing it. You know, you put your bed, you put your light, you put your carpet, you put everything you want. You know, that's how God has furnished you. Because of his preferences towards you. He furnished your life with peace. He furnished you with joy. He furnished you with dominion. He furnished you with power. He furnished you with every good thing of life. You lack nothing. You are a well furnished son of God. Behold what manner of love. What manner of preference? Because no preference can beat the preference of God. The Father has bestowed, the Father has furnished you with. You're a big boy. You don't lack anything. You have a blank check, use it. You have been well furnished. I've been well furnished. I lack nothing. I have every good thing of life. All God has, he has because of you. He doesn't need money. He doesn't need healing. He has everything he has. He is all that he is. For you. Okay. For me. I am a well 
furnished son of God. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called Khalil. Called. Summoned. Called out of. Given a name. You have been summoned. So when scripture says you have been called out of darkness. You have been summoned out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. You have been given a name. A name. When you give someone a name other than the name they are known for. That everybody now knows them for that name. No longer their birth name as it were. That's what it means to be given a name. So when scripture says and God highly exalted him and gave him a name. So behold what manner of love. Behold the preferences of God. That God has furnished me with. That now I have now been summoned. And named. All things are passed away. Old things are passed away. I am no longer who you used to think I am. It's okay. Some people will never believe you have been called and summoned and a name has been given to you. It's okay. But that doesn't mean I will respond to how they see me. I know the one who summoned me. (laughs) I know the one who gave me the name. I've been called out. You have been called out by the virtue of God's predisposition towards you. Not anything you did. You can't give your way into it. He just fell in love with you. Now you know the meaning of love. So when you tell yourself, God loves me. Because of his predisposition towards you, he has furnished you with goodness and mercies. He has furnished you with his faithfulness, his love. Oh, his love. Oh, the love of God. And because you are now a son of God, because he has summoned you, your name has been changed. You have been given a name. Your new title now is Son of God. It's the highest title you can ever have. It's the best title you can ever have. Being called the Son of God. You are a Son of God. It is big deal. Nations answers to you. Situations answers to you. 
Circumstances change when you step in. Because God has stepped in. Because I carry the DNA of my father. Because I have the nature of God. Because I have been called out. I have been summoned. And I have been named a son of God. I can change anything. Son of God. The best title you can have. You are a son of God. We are sons of God. And we are grateful for it. And we are not ashamed to rock it. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go on. Still that same verse. First John. Behold what manner of love the Father. I mean, now when you're reading that verse. You will see it in a different light. First John 3, 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. It's okay. I mean, if we are joint heirs with Jesus... They did not know Jesus. It's okay that they don't know me. It's fine. I'm not troubled by it. Verse 2. Beloved. So when you say the beloved. When you're called beloved. So take your understanding of the word love. So when we say hi beloved. It means... Beloved, the one who God prefers. The one who God has commended his nature to. The one who God has summoned and called out and furnished. Beloved. Such a beautiful thing to be a son of God. Beloved. Now. Now, just now, even now, immediately, with logical conclusion, now, in commands and appeal, at this instant, now, as a logical result of what preceded. What preceded, guys? As a result of God commending his love towards you. Now, now, now. In light of this. Now, 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 now. On account of what Jesus has done. Now, 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 now. Now we are sons of God. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all. The love of God is amazing. Oh, thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us. You love us not because we love you. We don't even understand what love is. <laughs> Yet you commended your love towards us. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Okay. 
So sonship, now you are sons of God. We all agree, yes? Sonship bridges the gap between humanity and divinity. Remember I said your citizenship is in heaven. You are just happening to this jurisdiction. So you are a celestial being having a terrestrial experience. You are not a terrestrial being. Don't chip in yourself. I mean, you have the spirit of God. You have the nature of God. You are from above. Created in the image of God. After his likeness. You are a celestial being. You are just having a terrestrial experience. Does that make sense? So you have been called to attain a divine nature. Every son carries their father's DNA, no? Your father cannot be divine and you're not. Your father cannot be good and you're not. Your father cannot be faithful and you're not. Your father cannot be trustworthy and you're not. If you have the nature of God, the nature of God is not your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your leg. That's not the nature of God. The nature of God is his person. What makes God, God? Now, there's the communicable attributes and the non-communicable attributes. The communicable attributes of God, you have it. As much as you're a son of God, you can't be, you can't be omniscient, omniscience. You can't be omni-knowest. You can't be omnipresent. No matter how much of a son of God you are. That's where his fatherhood pass your own. That's why he's the father. And you are the son. He's not your mate. You are a son of God. He's your father. But you have every communicable attribute of God. You have the divine nature of God. Manifested. The onus is on you to manifest it. Because Jesus paid a huge price for that, you know. We all say a huge price. Huge price was paid. Give him his money's worth. Give him his blood's worth. Give him his life's worth for you. If a huge price was paid for you, yes? A huge price was paid for you, yes? Yes? Yes. Biko, give him his money's worth. For goodness sake, he paid for it. How can somebody pay for something and not be getting what he paid for? He paid for you to be responsible. Be responsible. He paid for you to be good. Be good. He paid for you to be holy. Be holy. He paid for you to be righteous. Be righteous. He paid for you to be honest. Be honest. Give him his money's worth. If you are such a huge amount, which it is, you are a son of God. Act like the son of God that you are. Exhibit the nature of God that you have. 
If truly you are a son of God, you cannot be different from your father's nature. It is an error. Be conscious of your sonship. Be conscious of your sonship. If you are conscious that you are a son of God, there are certain things you will not get yourself into. There are certain things you will not do. If you are conscious. And if you are conscious that you are a son of God, there are certain things that people cannot mess with you with. There are certain thoughts that cannot come into your head. If you are a son of God, if you have the nature of Christ, which you do, because you have attained the divine nature by the instrumentality of Christ, because of what Christ did. So we are sons of God vitally. We are sons of God positionally. It's big deal, guys. Your sonship is big deal. Magnify your office. Magnify your sonship. Life will not mess with you. Life will not do certain things to you if you learn to be conscious that you are a son of God. Son of God. No, just close your eyes and say it. Son of God. Let it ring in your head. Let it echo. We have it already. We are sons already. Now are we sons of God. So sonship ushers us, I put here, into sharing the same nature as the father. You are not different from your father. You cannot, you should not. Be different from the nature of your father. You have the divine nature. Galatians 4, 6 to 7. If I have it in the PT or the message. And so, that we will know for sure that we are his true children. God released the spirit of sonship into our heart. Moving us to cry out intimately, my father, you are our true father. Let's see it in the message. You can tell for sure that we are now fully adopted as his own children. Because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. You have the nature of God. And this, your sonship, your sonship was guaranteed by the Spirit. You cannot be a son if you don't have the Spirit. You are a rogue. You came in from the window. Because it is Spirit that cries out, no? His Spirit cries out, Habba, Father. It's his spirit, not your own, not your spirit. Because you are son. As many as believe, the, to them he gave the authority. How did he give you that authority? By his spirit. 
So you can't say you're a son of God and you don't have the Holy Spirit. How much more the fruit of the Spirit? Not fruit, so. Fruit. Love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, long-suffering, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. You can't have joy and not have peace and you say you have the Spirit. You can't have kindness and not have patience and you say you have the Holy Spirit. You either have all or you have none. It's not either or. It's not seven gifts of the Spirit. It's not seven fruits of the Spirit. It is one apple. You chop apple or you don't chop apple. It's not apple, banana, guava, mango, grape. No. You are either chopping apple or you are not chopping apple. You either have the fruit of the Spirit or you don't have it. You are either loving, kind, patient, gentle, tender, have self-control, or you don't. And if you don't, you are not a son of God. I didn't say it. Your Bible said it. Your own said it. The spirit is what... I'm trying to look for the word to use. The spirit validates your sonship. You are not a son unless you have been validated by the spirit. That's why when you are born again, the first thing God gives you is his spirit to validate that this is my own. You don't get born again and then start looking for the spirit. What were you born again into? Who did you confess? Who did you believe? Because my own scripture tells me immediately, 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 instantly, the spirit comes upon you. You don't need to go through Holy Spirit's baptism class. So wait, until I finish baptism class, if it takes two, it's funny. Oh, but thank God. <laughs> but thank God because it is not of works. It is not of works. So what? If Bible baptism class takes one year, I will be in church for one year before I receive the Holy Spirit. Before I become a son of God. So the one year I'm in church for, what am I doing? I'm on probation. You're an IT son of God. Immediately you believe. Your validation of believing. Your conferring as a son of God is by the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not a son of God. Can I just say, people believe that Holy Spirit is when you start speaking in tongues. That's not it all. That's a manifestation of the Spirit. You don't speak in tongues doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. Thank God for what Jesus did. The Holy Spirit is the validator of your sonship. He validates that this 
is a son of God. So when God looks down looking for sons and he sees his spirit and he knows, yeah, these are my sons. These are my sons. These are my sons. These are my sons. I am a son of God. And it's big deal. <laughs> Galatians 4.6 Galatians 4.6 And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Romans 8.9 Romans 8.9 But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ. Am I the one that said it? You can see it's koro koro with your eyes. Your Bible, your Bible, your Bible said it. Your Bible said it. NLT. Hi. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them. Do not belong to him at all. So for those of you that have waited one year to receive the Holy Spirit, I apologize on behalf of the Holy Spirit. You are not a believer without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your seal. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee. The Holy Spirit is your validator. You see that you are nothing without him. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God. His promise to you. When he said in Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then it was made manifest in the book of Acts. Yeah? The Holy Spirit, the promise was the Holy Spirit. And the promise as well was the promise that God is able to keep you via the Holy Spirit. For the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit not just is the promise to validate your sonship. The Holy Spirit is the promise that guarantees that you go enter heaven. That you will see God. That you will be resurrected. That you will have eternal life. The Holy Spirit is that guarantee. It's the guarantee that God is able to preserve you. God is able to keep you until he's able to keep you. As long as you have the Holy Spirit, God has an obligation to keep you. God is mandated to keep you because his spirit is in you. What's he going to do? Leave me to take his spirit and go. The spirit is the promise that you are a son. The spirit is what guarantees that you are a son of God. The spirit is what confers sonship on you. 
the Spirit is what guarantees that on the last day, He's your seal. He's your seal. Seal. You have been stamped. A seal authenticates something, yeah? A seal validates and authenticates. If you go and forge a seal, ha. Hey. Voila. A seal authenticates. So the spirit is your seal, is what authenticates you that you are a son. That you do not come in through the window. That you believe, therefore you receive authority, power to become, to be summoned, to be named. I'm a son of God. It's a big deal. And just as our salvation is not by performance, your sonship is not by performance. Now there are responsibilities of sonship. I would encourage you to listen to Christ Conscious Believer Part 9. Christ Conscious Believer, the rights, benefits, and responsibility of sonship. Go and listen to that. There are responsibilities for sonship. You cannot be a son and be irresponsible. But as much as there are responsibilities for sonship, your sonship is not based on your performance. It's not based on what you've done. You don't perform to get sonship. You perform because you are a son. You run your father's business because you know this is my business. You make profit because you know it is profitable for me to make profit. Because you know if the business runs down, you too will suffer. So you don't perform for sonship. You perform from sonship because you are a son. So when other people are doing anyhow, you know that this is, this is my father's market now. This is my father's business. I have to look after it well. I have to manage it well. I have to yield results. I have to produce good fruits. I have to produce after my own kind. I have to make disciples. I have to ensure that others hear this good news so they too can be sons and we can all come into this sonship. And we can all run this business together. So your sonship is not performance based. You can't perform for it. You, can't, you, could, you couldn't have. What are you going to do to make God adopt you? You can't do anything to make God adopt you. You have been adopted already. The only criteria for adoption, the only criteria that is needed from you is to believe and receive. And that believing is not even of you. So really, what have you, what, which part did you play? What abiding house? We are sons of God. 
And it's a big deal. We cannot perform for it. We do not perform for it. But because we are sons, we take our father's business seriously. We take it seriously. Just as God took you seriously. Just as God is taking you seriously. Take him seriously. Take what concerns him seriously. Let what troubles him trouble you. Let what pricks him prick you. You exhibit the divine nature. Exhibit it. Be Christ on earth. Christ on display. Because you are joint heirs. You have to be Christ on display. Let everybody, everywhere you go, anybody that sees you, anyone, let them see and know that, ah, no wonder, he's a son of God. Be the difference in your sphere of influence. Make the difference. Be the difference. Stand out. I mean, you carry the Holy Spirit. You cannot not stand out. So if you are not standing out, you are not being conscious. So I've come to remind you today, be conscious of your sonship. Be conscious of your sonship. Now I've written a creed and you just say this after me. The Holy Spirit is God without a body. That is now resident in my body. My body has been sanctified for God to dwell in. Christ lives in me. My body contains Christ. By his spirit. My body is Jesus' body. I am carrying Christ by the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit within me. Hallelujah. Give God praise, sons of God. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us an SMS, call us, or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.